Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 43, Misha Tate versus Caitlin Vieira, and Shaq is going down this Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got the former champion, Misha Tate, taking on a once promising prospect in Caitlin Vieira. It's interesting because this time last year, Misha Tate was retired. And this time last year, Caitlin Vieira was coming off a serious surgery. Here they meet in a main event uh, with title implications. Yeah, I mean, Caitlin Vieira has the opportunity to right all the wrongs and, and come out here and, you know, erase that and beating a former champion, one of the greatest uh, women bantamweights of all time, Misha Tate, wins over uh, Holly Holm, um, some other good fighters as well. So, you know, Misha Tate's one of the most popular fighters in the sport. You know, I guess it is a, somewhat of a big thing when she fights. And Ketlin, like you said, at one point was supposed to be like the number one prospect at 35. Then she had that really bad, that cruise-style knee injury, you know, where she injured it and then it didn't really work out, and then she has to go through it again. So she got knocked out against Irene. The, uh, we know what happened with that big stun in the Kunis Kaya fight with a couple seconds left. So let's see if she can erase all that and get back on track. Yeah, definitely. And the co-main event, I mean, you got a matchup between two welterweights, and this is an important fight for Sean Brady and Michael Chiesa. For Chiesa, somehow, Shaq, he got ranked number six in the world at welterweight. If he wants to keep that spot, he better beat Brady. And for Brady... He wants to enter the top 10. No better way to do it than to beat a guy like Kiesa. Yeah, 100%. Kiesa's been around for a long time, had a good career at 155. Now he's at 170. He's doing his thing, has a win over a former world champion, some a couple world champions, and, um, you know, some other good names of the sport. But this guy, Sean Brady, he's been looking good. He's been dominating um, his fights. His last couple wins was very impressive. Put a guy out unconscious with one arm, I believe, and then Jake Matthews, I mean, you know, made, you know, we don't really need to talk about what happened in there. We know Sean did him dirty. So one of the best back tats in the game as well, probably the best back tat, him and Volkov are right up there. So um, I'm excited for that fight as well. And it ain't just a back tat. It's a full body tat. <laughs> I mean, there's more tats on this guy than there isn't. So, but his, but he's got the fighting skills to back up a look like that, man. I mean, he's a black belt in jujitsu. He's dropped people before. He knows what it's like, not just to finish fights, but to win decisions. So he, he, you can make an argument that he might be the more well-rounded guy than Kiesa. But Kiesa is very battle-tested. He's been in there with some of the best guys on planet Earth. Should be a great battle in the co-main event. Now, Shaq, before we break down this whole card start to finish, got to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Bud Crush. So... As you can see, we got our Bud Crush gear on. Bud Crush is a cannabis clothing brand. They believe that Mary Jane has always been high fashion, and their line is dedicated to her. Their first crush was Mary Jane, and they've been in love ever since. All their designs are under her influence. Keep smoking Mary Jane, lovers. So, guys, use code BATTLE at BudCrush.com to get free shipping for a limited time. And uh, Bud Crush, that's crush with a K. I mean, the gear is on point. Obviously, you see the hoodies. They got the the lettering on the sleeves. You guys need to check out the back of the designs, too. The designs on the back. Go to BudCrush.com, Crush with a K, so you can check out all the designs. They got hoodies, uh, sweaters, sweatpants, shorts, shirts, everything, man. And it's independent, homemade. I mean, it's one dude doing this thing. So shout out to my boy, Marcus Bud Crush. What a badass individual, and you guys should support him. Yeah, shout out to Marcus, man. We got to support him. We got to support these independent, uh, you know, fashion creators and get behind them, man, and make sure you use that code battle for a, a little discount and keep crushing buds. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Shaq, let's get down to business because first up in the strawweight division, we got a match between Luana Pinheiro. She's nine and one, but between you and me, she's eight and two. She's taking on <laughs> Sam Hughes, who is five and three. And currently, they got Luana Pinheiro. She's minus 410. The comeback on Sam Hughes is plus 330. So, I mean, in the early going, Shaq, Luana Pinheiro, she's got judo throws. She hits hard. What you got to be worried about is, you know, if she can't get you out of there early, she's not used to those situations. And last time she kind of panicked. But also last time she was in there with an 18 fight UFC vet in Random Marcos. We're talking about someone in Random Marcos that beat Carla Esparza, that finished Angela Hill. You saw Marina. what you saw what she did. To, uh, she went to a draw with Marina Rodriguez. You saw what she did to Lavinia Souza the other week. And by the way, we're going to miss Random Marcos. I I get why they didn't re-sign her. I mean, it, dude, it ain't cheap putting someone with 18 fights on the prelims. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Asking for like 40 and 50 to show. She's probably asking for 60 and 60. You know, I mean, it's like 
when you when you've had as many fights as she's had her contract keeps going up and you know she's not a headlining name so they she got to the end of her contract and they said you know we wish you the best and we'll send you on your way good career for her in bellator why not yeah absolutely um you think she could move up and wait and challenge cyborg for a title nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <sure> cyborgs, man. <laughs> uh, maybe like kaz and versus maybe, random marcos catchway those uh those million dollar paydays to knock out cans hey <laughs> yeah or pfl decides to add a new women's division we you know random marcos uh, she's got a bright future so we sure the best but luana pinero look like i said she's got the judo throws she's mateus nicolau's girlfriend so at least if they train together at all hopefully some of his skills rub off because he's a very talented kid and sam hughes you know look she got thrown to the wolves man i mean tisha torres in your debut when you've had less than 10 pro fights that's a tall order then the next fight against loma lukbunmi she was a big underdog and i gotta say even though she clearly lost that fight at least she fought her hard out man so maybe she does bring something to the table it's just this early going is going to be tough for her again man i mean i think there's a good chance she gets judo throw i think there's a chance she gets arm barred i think there's a chance she gets hurt with some shots the only thing is with a price like plus 330 you know, what you'd be banking on is, hey, Sam, let's just survive this early storm. Let's get this to round two and three, and then we can and then we can take over. So if you're taking the shot on Hughes, that's what you're hoping for. I'm just not quite convinced that happens. So give me a Luana Pinheiro via armbar. Yeah, you know, Luana, let's just be honest here. The 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 incident that happened versus Marcos, look, you you can't look me in the you can't look me in the eyes with a straight face and tell me that she didn't fake that. Now, I mean, to the point where Pettinaris and them are carrying her out the cage. I was like, wait, so what? Ha- like, she can't walk now? <laughs> like, I'm confused. Like, uh, so look, that was a bad look for her. You know, unfortunately, you know, fortunately for her, she got a win bonus there. Look, take your win, take you know, take take your two checks. Uh, you know, pull a Diego, uh, Aljo. Hey, you know, do your thing. But um. As far as this fight goes, man, I just think the early, I think the first round could be like a 10-8 round, like the ju- multiple judo throws. I mean, this girl, she throws hard, too, with the hands. Like, it's just she, you know, the, <clears throat> not the MMI voice. You good? I just think the, uh, I just think Sam Hughes is very hesitant. She doesn't pull the trigger. She had a good third round against uh, Loma Lubumi, but I just see a lot of hesitancy, a lot of, timidness and i think panero will be able to get off to an early lead in this fight man i think that she can kind of build a 10-8 round in that first and kind of cruise to a victory so i'm gonna take her for a win here but she might have to go 15 minutes sam hughes is very tough comes from that kiesa uh, uh juliana camp that sick jitsu so we'll see uh we'll see what happens but panera's got a lot to prove i think she uh i think she quit that last fight so i mean at the end of the year you know around the time that all the events are over, we usually do our award show and, you know, knockout of the year, submission of the year, fighter of the year, all, all, all this and that. So who are we going to give our Academy Award for actor of the year? You know, who's going to get the Oscar? Is it going to be Aljamain Sterling or is it going to be Luana Pinheiro? There's a couple more in there, too. Um, there was another one, man. Oh, yeah, I know a lot of people said they wanted Romanov on that list for the uh, for the Espino fight. They thought he uh, pulled, a, pulled a nice little acting job there, but... I got to give it to Aljo. That was a championship level performance right there. I mean, he won a belt off that. Uh, I mean, the dude like acted like he was out of it. He was completely fine. But hey, that's a that's a topic for another day. You know how when new champs win belts, they always have them at the at the <laughs> at the ESPN desk commentating fights and you know trying to get their name out there. I love how they don't have them there for anything. Um, Aljo. I mean, you already know who Dana thinks is the champ. But I, mean, I mean, everybody. You know who. You know who is the champ, right? <laughs> Aljo, you can you know extend this neck thing as long as you want, buddy. Just <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I can't wait to break down that fight. But in the meantime, we got a featherweight match between Sean Soriano. He's taking on Shaggy Lan. Uh, excuse me, Sean Soriano is fourteen and seven. He's taking on Shaggy Lan, who is nineteen and seven. And currently, they got. Sean Soriano minus 275. The comeback on Shai Yilan is plus 235. So, I mean, look, I, I know what you're thinking, man. Sean Soriano kind of reminds us of like Michael Johnson in a way, man. I mean, his hands are fast. Initially, his takedown defense is good. He's explosive. He's going to put on a striking clinic for the first seven minutes against almost everyone he fights. Then he hits that wall and he ends up getting tapped out, not just in the UFC, but in the on the regional scene too, man. Um, 
But here's the thing with Shailan on one hand, if you're taking the underdog shot on him, here's here's the positives. The positives is that this guy attempted 14 takedowns in his UFC debut um, uh, against the kid that fought Jalen Turner. Cool about cool about. So so at least, you know, if he attempted 14 takedowns, at least we know that he's going to try. He's going to try to get these takedowns. But, man, there is such a big difference in speed and athleticism and technique. Um, Sean Soriano is so much better than this guy. It's just really about Sean. Don't fuck this up. Like, Sean, come get your first UFC win, man. Like, it's been years in the making. Like, if, if Sean cannot fuck this up, Sean is going to win this fight. And that's no disrespect to Shai Yilan. He's tough. He's durable. He's experienced. I mean, in his regional scene, he fought that kid Shu Rong. He got knocked out by him, but he still fought him. So he's been in there with some guys. I mean, he's had close to 30 pro fights. So Shai Yilan, he, he ain't some walkover. It's just that Sean Soriano is on a different level. It's just Sean. We need the mental to hold up for this one fight. And if it does, I think he's going to come out here and get his first UFC win. So give me Sean Soriano to finally, finally get his arm raised inside the octagon. Yeah, I mean, Soriano, man, this dude's a, a vicious striker. I mean, his hands are legit. His kicks are legit. I mean, he's a coach, not only like he corners fighters, you know. So um, I think this is a mismatch on the feet. If this dude stands in front of Sean for more than a minute, two minutes, I mean, he's going to. He's going to eat something. Something's going to get through. You already saw what he was doing to Giagos, a solid 55-er on short notice. I mean, Giagos was, I mean, a couple of times there, he was looking like he was on his way out. So I agree. But at the same time, Sean Soriano is like the the Latino Michael Johnson, you know, they the a Curtis Melender ground game type of situation. Um, man, my voice is bad. Sorry, guys. But um, I think that... uh. If this guy can get Sean Soriano on the mat one time, it could be game over, man. Uh, it, it, we've seen it against Bruce Boynton, jobbers on the regional scene. So we'll see what happens. I think there is some value on Shailan. My bad, guys. Pause this. You can't pause, but you can just talk soft. Just talk yeah. right into the mic. <clears throat> I guess got in my throat. But, yeah, man, I think uh, Soriano is going to win this fight. Might knock out early, but I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way, man. I would not be shocked. But I think uh, you cannot rely on a guy with that much history of bad decisions on the mat. I agree. Um, so hopefully he gets it done for his sake. You know, I'd be very happy for the kid. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Cody Durden. He's 11-3. and three. He's taking on, listen, Let's just go with Iori because it says Kwai Lang, but I think Mongolian zombie. <laughs> I think the way you pronounce it is Kwailichi Lang Iori. Like I don't know how they come up. I don't know how that translates to how it's spelled, but his name is the Mongolian murderer. But as you said, it's really the Mongolian zombie. And but it says he's from China, so is it Chinese zombie now? You know what I mean. But either way, we got Cody Durden, who's eleven three and one, taking on the Mongolian murderer, who's eighteen and eight, and currently they got. Cody Durden minus 165. The comeback on the Mongolian murder is plus 145. So this should be a very, very fun fight while it lasts. Um, Cody Durden fought Chris Gutierrez on a week short notice, went to a draw with him, had the fight with Jimmy Flick, was doing well in the early going. Then he got caught, um, had an ACL surgery. Now this is his comeback. And with Kualichi Lang, with, with the Mongolian murder, he fought Jeff Molina in an incredible fight. I mean, basically, the way I describe Iori is he's one of these guys. He's going to be there for all 15 minutes. I mean, if you want to get this guy out of there, you better knock him unconscious. You better break his arm. I mean, because he'll eat your hardest shot and he'll keep walking forward. This guy is no slouch. But on the flip side of that style, he eats so many shots that it's not going to look good on the judges' scorecard. So from the Durden side of things, Durden's one of these guys that he's so used to finishing guys early in, in on his regional scene that he needs to be mentally prepared to go 15 minutes. He needs to be prepared to hit this guy with his hardest shot and the guy keeps walking forward and just keep hitting him over and over. It's like, it's like when you step on that cockroach as hard as you can and it's still alive. You got to step on that cockroach a hundred times, man. So if Cody Durden is mentally prepared to go 15 hard minutes, he's going to win this fight. It's just... That's what that's what has to happen here. So I think Cody Durden comes out here, wins the first two rounds, survives the third round, and wins a unanimous decision. So give me Cody Durden to mix in his takedowns, have more volume on the feet, and just keep hitting this guy over and over again. But I respect the toughness of Iori, and I think he'll be back. 
Yeah, you know, I got to go with my boy Cody Durden here. I think the key to this fight is going to be mixing in the takedowns, clinching this guy, because banging with this guy for too long, like Jeff Molina had the experience in the late rounds, is dangerous. So I don't think Durden is as technical of a striker as Molina, but I think if he uses the takedowns to slow this guy down, clinch him, get his uh, arms, his punches a little slower, a little less powerful. I think he can have some success, man. So I'm going to go with Cody Durden. Let's not forget this guy went to a draw with Chris Gutierrez at one point. Like that's the, the caliber he's able to fight with on his, on his, um, on his best day, you know? So I don't think Aori's on that level yet, but he has made some camp changes, did this camp in the U S so we'll see. Uh, I think Cody Durden should be the favorite and I, th- and I think he gets the win. Sorry guys. I don't know what's going on. Hey, my boy Devante Sewell in the house. He's got a fight. Is it Friday or Saturday? It's on UFC Fight Pass. It's got to be. It's got to be Friday because UFC is on Saturday. So, Devante, good luck with that weight cut. Uh, I love the matchup for you, man. And I know uh, you're gonna be chowing down on that Jamaican food after this dub, man. And uh, there's actually betting lines on my boy Devante. So y'all, y'all, Make sure y'all watch his fight, man. This guy's a, a well-rounded fighter, very experienced, fought some good guys. So. And his submission game is deadly. Uh, people don't know about Devante Sewell's submission game, but they're about to find out about my boy, the grinder. So, uh, Devante, good luck with the wake up. Good luck with the fight. We're rooting for you and can't wait to see you get your arm raised on Fight Pass. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Terrence McKinney. He's 11 and 3. He's taking on Fares Ziam, who is 12 and 3. And currently, they got. Fares Ziam minus 122. The comeback on Terrence McKinney is plus 102. So the line actually flipped, which I'm surprised about in terms of hype, but I'm not surprised about in terms of reason. I mean, look, Terrence McKinney, firstly, on his regional scene, no one could fuck with this guy, man. I mean, he was running through these guys in a way where... uh, I mean, it, it was like, you have to sign this kid. So Terrence McKinney, and he's got wrestling um background in high school and college he's got one punch knockout power so i i like what i see from terrence mckinney and i think that you know you know when you get a seven second knockout and it's against the guy who's been dropped every single ufc fight and you set a record and this and that i know that can blow up your head a little bit so i'm just hoping that terrence can reel it in and that he's focused because one thing about farez yam is he ain't gonna go down in seven seconds man and another thing i gotta say about farez yam i know that people have only been seeing him you know go to these close hard-fought decisions but if you watch his regional scene this guy's striking is serious i mean shaq's probably going to talk about how this kid won the k1 when he was 18 years old so uh do not sleep on the striking of farez yama just that he's young but what i truly expect is the best version of him i think you're going to start seeing some knockouts from him in the ufc just so far i mean he's fighting don madge in his ufc debut don madge went undefeated in the ufc Jamie Malarkey, who has been knocking out Devontae Smith, who knocked out Kama, where like Jamie, Jamie Malarkey has been winning fights and most recently uh, against Luigi. And yeah, Luigi might be one and three in the UFC, but let me say something about Luigi. All four of Luigi's opponents have been in trouble at one point or another in his fights, whether it was Luigi taking the back of Zaleski, whether it was Luigi knocking out the guy that Darren Till dropped seven times but couldn't knock out, whether it was uh, Luigi full mounting uh, Fares Yam. And uh, there was another Patty one. Pimlet. Oh, yeah. And then when you crack Patty Pimblet with his hardest shot and Patty Pimlet, uh, Patty oh, Pimlet. Luigi took... had a tough, uh, tough competition. <laughs> like, look, <laughs> Luigi might be one of three in the UFC, but Luigi's a dangerous guy. And he's every single person that fought him remembers the night that they fought Luigi. But anyways, let me say something. There's this misconception about Ferez Yam's takedown defense. And I just disagree with that, man. If you watch his fights, does he get taken out from time to time? Yes, but you have to work hard to take this guy down. He will stuff initial takedowns over and over again, and I see an improvement. And I think that once he starts getting comfortable in there, man, like I said, I think you're going to start seeing some knockouts from him. So, look, I do see that that hard start, that aggressive early start from Terrence McKinney. But one thing we saw last time Terrence McKinney went past the first round is he not only does he hit a wall, but man, his striking also needs a lot of work. He does have the wrestling to fall back on. I'm just not convinced he can wrestle for three straight rounds. So 
I'm not saying it's Terrence McKinney first round or bust because maybe Terrence McKinney can get two rounds of takedowns, possibly. I just kind of don't see it happening. I kind of think that Perez has the more level head in there. I think he's the more seasoned guy in there. And I think that it's first UFCL time for Terrence McKinney. So, and might be first knockout time for Ferreziam. I've been waiting on this Ferreziam knockout. If you guys watch his regional fights, he's got some pretty brutal finishes. We've just been waiting for it to happen in the UFC. And once this kid starts to feel comfortable, once this kid starts to feel like this is his home, I think you're going to see some big uh, some big things from him. So maybe Saturday night's the night, but either way, give me Ferreziam for the dub. Yeah, you know, I've been um, high a lot higher on Ziam than a lot of other people. Those Frenchies are pushing them out you got the girl fiara you got gone nasardine and this kid ziam i mean don't even don't sleep on benoit i mean he showed his toughness uh saint denise oh, is his name yeah um he showed his toughness so i couldn't agree more man to be honest i think you broke that down uh pretty perfectly i think terrence has been talking a lot i think uh you know like you said Frivola gets dropped every fight that was a good matchup for him terrence has been starching guys in the first but what happens if this fight gets extended? Um, I think Ziam put in this camp at Sanford MMA. He uh, trained with Michael Chandler, which is a good, you know, on steroids version of Terrence McKinney uh, in terms of first round, you know, power coming at you. I've seen them sparring a lot of rounds. I think this is going to be the best Ziam we've seen. Terrence McKinney, historically speaking, after that first round, he uh, he slows down. Um, he had a good start against, uh, what's my boy? Um, he just fought um, Sean Woodson and he just fought uh, Sean Woodson and he slowed down. You know, he was having that good start, but that was at 45, but he ended up getting knocked out. So we've seen a pattern in his fights. I think Zion hasn't even shown what he's uh, 100% capable of yet, man. And I think we're going to see that this fight, I think he weathers the storm in the first round and comes back in the late rounds and exposes his technical striking, man. I think uh, he puts a clinic on in rounds two and three. And like you said, the Jamie Malarkey performance was not a robbery in my opinion. And I think he won that fight fair and square. Luigi's a very tough uh, competitor as well. So I'm going to go with Ziam, Ziam to get this done. I think Terrence McKinney is riding a little bit too high, a little bit too confident. Um, put a lot of pressure on himself in the lead up to this, in my opinion. So we'll see. And yesterday tweeted out, I can't believe I'm the underdog to a guy that always goes to decision. And and, 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 and let me, um, Terrence has a hell of a smile, man. Kid has a hell of a smile, but I know what Ziam's nickname is. <laughs> For those that don't know, a smile killer. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Loma Lukbunmi. She's six and two. She's taking on Lupita Godinez, who is also six and two. Currently, they got Lupita Godinez minus 165. The comeback on Loma Lukbunmi is plus 145. So, I mean, look, a lot of people think that Loma Lukbunmi might have some of the most underrated striking in the strawweight division. And she's small for the division, but, man, she's fierce. And once that uh, takedown defense and that get-up game starts to catch up, which I think it has been. I mean, she was thrown in there with Angela Hill off the bat. Um, I, I think that she can be a problem, man. I mean, look, only eight fights into her MMA career, but plenty of Muay Thai fights. And with Lupita Godinez, you got to admire the heart. You got to admire her willingness to fight. I mean, the fact that she broke the record for fastest turnaround for two fights. She she had to break our boy Chas Kelly's record, you know. But um, and now she's shout out to my boy Chas, by the way. I love his his retirement fight. <laughs> you know uh, he's gonna sub that guy. Yeah. Um. But now she's Lupita Godinez is actually breaking the record for her fastest consecutive three fight turnaround. So hey, pro props to you. You're a true Mexican warrior. It's just I I got questions about you know her rushing back in there and maybe not being selective over the right opponents that she should be fighting at this stage in her career to develop herself. Because um, if you think about who she's been in there with, you know, Jessica Panay, who we respect and, you know, you could consider one of the pioneers of women's MMA. I mean, you remember when she was an Invicta champion, it's just, Jessica Panay is kind of towards the latter part of her career. And you'd think an undefeated prospect, which Lupita was at the time would kind of go in there and kind of teach her that lesson and it's it, it number 15 so. and yeah because she beat carolina <laughs> and um you know it just didn't go that way you can call it a robbery all you want but the fact that it was that close just speaks volumes that lupita's not quite ready wasn't a now she handled that soccer mom and in, in that win she had so <laughs> so 
props to what, her. What's that girl's name again? Salvana Juarez, yeah. maybe or something. Uh, but either way, like those are the kind of opponents Lupita should be facing. And she went in there with Luana Carolina. Carolina is someone that beat Priscilla Cachoeira. Carolina's in there with tougher people, with higher ranked people, should I say? And people say that was a robbery. That was not a robbery. Lupita won the first round. She lost the next two. And now another quick turnaround against Loma, who's got this big striking edge. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, can we let this girl develop? Like, I get I get it. Stack up the paychecks. Get your reputation get your up, you know. But it's like once you go one and three in the UFC and that four or five contract is up, like, hopefully they resign you. You know what I mean? But here, here's the thing. I do think Loma's got this big edge standing, obviously, with that Muay Thai background because Lupita kind of throws these big winging hooks. And I've always talked about how power can override technique in the women's divisions. I just don't think this is going to be one of those spots. I think the technique difference is huge, not to mention that Loma, she knows what a powerful striker is with all her hundreds of Muay Thai fights. Um, so the big question here is, can uh, Godinez come out here and land consistent takedowns? get that top control, possibly find a submission along the way. That's what you're hoping for if you're betting Godinez, and maybe that's a possibility. But if that does not happen, I'm telling you right now, in the clinch with those elbows, Loma's nasty. From range, Loma's disgusting. I mean, I just think Loma's going to be able to win two of these three rounds and survive that one round where Godinez has success uh, getting this to the mat. So give me Loma Lukwumi for the upset. Yeah. I was kind of hinting at this last week when I was talking about Colin England. I think I threw Godinez's name in there as well. I, I was just a little confused by this. Um, you lose the last one, which you took on short notice. Props to you. But, you know, after that, we're one and two. Let's, oh, and those two losses were not robberies, guys. Like, this is the problem. Like, y'all say there's an issue with MMA judging, but then y'all have these takes. And the Panay fight, she got her back taken twice, fully back mounted. I mean, in two different rounds. How is that a robbery? And then the uh, Carolina fight, come on, man. She lost that one. Uh, I think she's tough. I think she can clinch well. I think she's got a good ground game, good takedowns. But I think that Loma has a very good takedown defense against the cage. I think that she kind of like a Jermaine Duran and me style game plan where she's comfortable with her back on that fence. That's where she's most comfortable stuffing takedowns at. And um, I think she can. I think Godina's best opportunity, but at minus 165, I, I just don't. I just don't agree. I think Loma's one of the better strikers in that division. Very young, a lot of potential. Um, fought Angela Hill early on in her career. Beat a former Invicta champion, Jinu Fry, down there in Abu Dhabi and, and absolutely put her on her. I think those knees and the clinch and those elbows can sink the heart of a fighter, uh, especially at this level. So I'm going to go with Loop. Not Loopy, but Loma as well by decision. I think she just got a big advantage in the striking. And I think Godinez is kind of a, a very simple fighter, more um, she kind of tries to overpower and tries to just use force and strength instead of technique. And I don't think that's going to work against uh, fighters like this. I think she needs more time to develop. So I'm going to take Loma to get a decision when it's unfortunate that she's in this spot. But we'll see. She's the favorite here. But I disagree. I got to go with Loma. You want to grab some water? All right. Now, next up. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Natan Levy. He's 6-0, and taking on Rafa Garcia, who is 12-2. And, and currently, they got Rafa Garcia, minus 125. The comeback on Natan Levy is plus 105. So I know what y'all are thinking. I'm automatically going to pick Levy just because his last name is Levy. But here's the thing. Firstly, we don't spell our names uh, the same. So it's, so if this guy wins, it's going to be Levy Gang. But if this guy loses, it's going to be like, oh, he should have spelled his name with the I as uh, the last letter of his last name. But look, uh, for an Israeli fighter, which is what Natan Levy is, um, I'd say he's one of the more promising ones because, I mean, Noad Lahat was trash. The two guys they had on Contender Series were fucking terrible. So maybe this is Israel's hope for having a good fighter, man. Um, and as far as Mexican fighters are concerned, you know, Rafa Garcia, even though he's 0-2 in the UFC, the guy definitely comes out there uh, with that Mexican spirit, with that heart. Look, he might be undersized for the weight class, you know. I mean, my boy's been eating some tacos because I think he could drop a weight class. But one thing about Rafa Garcia, 
You know, it's going to be hard to knock a guy like that out. I mean, you saw his fight against Nazrat Hackbrass. He ate some bombs in that fight. He was there for all 15 minutes. But I got to say that last one against Chris Gritzmacher, you know, coming off the Hackbrass fight, it, it, it was kind of a letdown that he didn't go out there and, and, and get that dub. But I kind of think what happened was, you know, Chris Gritzmacher, he's one of these guys that, you know, props to Alex Hernandez for knocking him out, but in you know normal terms, Chris Gritzmacher is that guy that you hit him with his with your best shot, and he keeps walking forward. And I think that Rafa Garcia got a little bit excited. You know, he rocked uh, Chris Gritzmacher in the early going. He kind of blew his load trying to get him out of there, and when he couldn't, a guy that's not known for gassing actually gassed out. And you know, one place you don't want to be against Chris Gritzmacher is gassed out in the octagon. I think that's kind of what happened here. So, look, I think that Natan Levy is a very talented kid. He's got a good submission game. His kicks are nasty. He's in great shape. He trains at Syndicate with John Wood. So, I mean, look, Natan Levy's got a bright future. My only issue with Natan Levy is that he's only 6-0. and no. He's green. He's So he's still got time to develop. So I think he's, he's got a lot of potential. Like I said, for a dude from Israel, I mean, this ain't no Noad Lahat who got flying knee KO'd every fight. And this ain't like those guys on Contender Series who got destroyed. I actually think that this is one kid that can go far, but he's green right now. So that's what I'm worried about. But with Rafa Garcia, you know, he was going to decisions with guys like Humberto Bandene in his regional scene. So I do think this is a good entry-level fight for Levy. It's just my concern is that Rafa has more than twice the experience of Levy. So, yeah, so someone's going to give Levy that, that first L because he's so young into his career. But I'm, I'm going to pick Levy. I think, he's, I think he's way more talented than this guy. I think he's going to go farther than him. I'm just hesitant because he's only 6-0. and no. He's just a baby in this game. But... I think he might have slightly enough to get this one done, but going forward, we gotta we gotta proceed with caution because he's very green. Yeah, this is gonna be a, a rough and tough fight because uh, Garcia he might not be that good, but he is very tough. He will take a shot. That fight with Gertzmacher, even though he lost, he displayed he displayed a lot of heart in that fight. He his nose was messed up very early on, like crooked, and he and he kept fighting. So props to Rafa Garcia. I still think he could possibly get a UFC win, like. You know, you, you got to be careful in these spots with the, the young prospect who really hasn't fought anybody versus the guy that fought Hack Paras and, you know, two legit veterans, uh, Hack Paras and Grit. So, um, look, I think this could, could uh, be lined a little closer. But, uh, man, I have a feeling Garcia might actually get back on track. Like, I'm interested to see if Natan can handle a rough and tough fight where he gets bloody and, you know, maybe his nose is broken or he's busted up a little bit. I know Garcia can fight on those circumstances. So I'm actually going to take him for a win. But I agree. I think Levy has the brighter future. I think that he uh, has a more diverse skill set. Um, it's just a matter of that toughness. Look, anybody, a lot of these guys are better than the other guy. But when that fight becomes a, a, a fatigue fight and who's got more heart, I think Garcia displayed a lot of heart. I wouldn't have his stock all the way down. Um you know, that hack press fight, he kind of looked really some his best performance, in my opinion, even in a loss. But I think that, like you were saying earlier, Grits is a tough guy to fight. You you kind of mismanage your energy against them and you shoot your load in the first, <laughs> no, no pun intended, but you shoot your load in that first round. And then uh, you kind of tired for the next two. So uh, I'm going to take Garcia to come back in here and get an upset. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Tucker Lutz. He's 12 and 1, taking on Pat Sabatini, who is 15 and 3. And currently, they got Pat Sabatini minus 132. The comeback on Tucker Lutz is plus 112. Shaq, this is actually the hardest fight for me to pick on this entire card. You know, I'm very impressed with both these guys, man. Tucker Lutz, I. Did not like what I saw in Contender Series the first time. The second time looked a little better. And then that UFC debut, I mean, he's getting better every single fight. And this is a guy that's got good volume on the feet. He can mix in takedowns. He's a thinking man's fighter. But then on the other side of things, you got a kid in Pat Sabatini who, in his UFC debut, I mean, some of the same things. He landed the knockdown against Tristan Connolly, which, by the way, for some reason, our boy Pereira <laughs> decided to do 10 backflips instead of knock down Tristan Connolly. You know, it, you know what's funny about uh, Connolly and Pereira? It's like one of those fights like Barella and Tyler Santos where yeah. if they ever rematched, yeah. the right person would win. You know? other factors, <laughs> but, you know, 
You got to have, that's why you got to have your head on straight in this game. But look, Pat Sabatini, I'm also very, very impressed with him too, man. I mean, that fight against Tristan Connolly, not only did he land the knockdown, he had the opportunistic takedowns. He doesn't take any unnecessary risks. And then with Jamal Emmers, I mean, people can call it a fluke sub all they want, but to actually be able to pull off, you know, that kind of heel hook inside the octagon, that takes some sort of skill. And that was very, very impressive what he did, in my eyes, at least, as someone who truly respects jujitsu. So I like both these guys, man. So oftentimes when I'm not really sure, I'll lean with the dog. But I can't sit here and say it's a confident pick um, because I just think that both these guys are talented. I think they're both smart. I think that this is going to be a chess match. Um, I mean, you could sit here and say, well, Tucker Lutz has the volume edge. Therefore, all he's got to do is stuff the takedowns. I just don't see it being that simple, man, because I think Pat Sabatini also has high fight IQ. I think he also makes good decisions in there. So I, I truly don't know. So for that reason, I will take the dog Tucker Lutz. But man, I expect this to be, like I said, a chess match, a thinking man's fight. And I think both these guys have bright futures inside the octagon. Yeah, Sabatini. The, these, uh, you know, Sabatini was actually supposed to fight my boy Rafael Alves in his uh, debut, but uh, Alves put a stunt. Is that when he missed weight by like 10 pounds? But uh, Sabatini, man, these Philly guys, they have a knack for winning. They have a knack for performing well in the UFC. I kind of like Tucker Lutz, even from the first one. I was like, this guy's a solid little workman, man. He, uh, nothing impressive, really, you know, not great anywhere, but just tough and he will move forward and his volume picks up that last fight he had with, um, tall lanky um guy um man i forget this guy's name but his, uh tucker lutz fought um oh gerard blackledge yeah yeah gerard blackledge uh i mean i thought that was a very good performance down the stretch from sabatini this guy he kind of reminds me of like a chris wade a little bit like i don't you know he doesn't really seem that dangerous to me but he had you know as of right now, he has a knack for for at least getting his hand raised, man. I definitely see him getting exposed down the stretch. I just don't know when. But I think Tucker Lutz can honestly kind of feel him out, let him throw his sidekicks, let him try, uh, you know, to get, get on the inside. But I think down the stretch, he can close the distance. And I think his punches have more effect down the stretch. I think he's a little more rugged down the stretch. Now it's going to be tough. Sabatini, like I said, this guy seems very crafty. He seems very, seems like he's got tricks up his sleeve. Um, I mean, the last one he got rocked and he ended up pulling that out. That was very impressive. We got to give him props for that. Um, it's just in some of his local scene fights, I just wasn't that impressed besides one where he knocked a guy out viciously. Um, but the dude was only like six and four. So it was like hard to say, man. Um, Tucker Lutz, I expect to see improvements in, uh, from him each fight. I think he's got more room to improve. So I think we're going to see a better version of him here. And I think he's going to get the win just by closing the distance down the stretch and just being rougher, tougher and kind of busting him up, landing the harder shots, you know, where where he lands. It's like, ooh, you know, that that one really hurts. So I don't think Sabatini really has the power to hurt him. Um, and I don't want to be disrespectful by saying that, but he just seems more of like a crafty type of, you know, he'll surprise you in ways type of fighter. But I'm going to go with Tucker Lutz. You compared uh, Wade to Sabatini, right? Yeah. Dude, it's funny that you compared Wade to Sabatini because yesterday when I was watching Sabatini, I thought the exact same yeah, thing. Like they have a similar stance. Like, they throw the same stuff. I was just like, this guy's Chris Wade. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a, a better Chris Wade, a more exciting Chris Wade, yeah, if you can imagine. Exciting, yeah. <laughs> now, before we talk about the main card, because we're going to talk about Adrian Yanez versus Davey Grant, everybody do us a big favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate you all being here with us. And... I got to let you know about our sponsor, Prize Picks. So, Prize Picks, in my opinion, is the number one daily fantasy sports outlet on the market. In these other outlets, it's basically you versus thousands of stat nerds, and you got to hope and pray you get that six-fight lineup where you you hit that optimal lineup and you submit hundreds of entries, and hopefully one of them hits. It's like a lottery ticket. With Prize Picks, it's completely different. It's literally just you versus Prize Picks projection. So, you go on there. You see where they fuck up and you take full advantage of it. So, guys, use our code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100 on prizepicks.com. Prizepicks is the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players and can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prizepicks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. Like I said, it's literally just you versus their projection. Prizepicks also allows mixed 
uh, sports entries. So like I told you last week, I hope you guys listen to me. If you took that over on Max Holloway, significant strikes landed, and you took the under on Patrick Mahomes, you would have did well because their projection was like 147 strikes for uh, Max Holloway. He ends up landing 250. So I hope you guys listen to me and took that over on the Max Holloway. What? What did I have it said at? 147 significant strikes for Max, Max Holloway. Throws that in a round. Th- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he threw that in round four versus yeah. Calvin Cater. So, guys, I'm telling you right now, go to Prize Picks. Use that code Battle for that 100% deposit match. Like, find that one projection you disagree with in MMA. Find that one you disagree with in NFL. Or, or combine the same sport, combine different sport. Like, do whatever you want to do. And don't worry about competing with these stats nerds and, and, you know, thousands of other people and praying to God that you get lucky. It doesn't work like that. This is the easiest way to win on daily fantasy sports. PrizePix has a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They got a 4.8-star rating in the App Store with great reviews. So, guys, go to prizepix.com or download the PrizePix apps. The PrizePix app, use the code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. Now, Shaq, let's talk about this main card because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup. Someone's asking is... Prize picks available in any state. I believe so. I mean, all you got to do, just go to their website right now, check them out, use the code battle and, uh, and see if they're available. I mean, it, it should be, I don't see why not, but first up and they're, and they're from here in ATL. So shout out to them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Adrian Yanez. He's 14 and three taking on Davy Grant, who is 11 and five. And currently they got Adrian Yanez minus 300. The comeback on Davy Grant is plus 255. So, Shaq, listen, I, I got to be honest. Um, I wasn't sold on Adrian Yanez until I really sat down and watched his entire career. And boy, am I sold on him. I mean, we can talk about his slick hands, which I will do here in a second. But let, let's talk about the more important things because the intangibles. Is this kid tough? This kid is tough as hell, man. I mean, in his, he, he was either pro debut or second pro fight when he fought Levi Moles, who, by the way, Look out for that kid because the highlight he'll he'll be in the UFC one day. Adrian took a beating. He never quit. He never folded up. I mean, he took his beating like a man. This was early on in his career. So I already know he's got that Mexican heart. Then you fast forward. What's his ground game like? Well, his takedown defense is on point. It's just the fights that he's lost. Like, for example, you, you see that he lost to Domingo Pilarte. And on paper, that looks terrible. But if you really watch that fight, the ref had to warn Domingo Pilarte for running away the entire time. I mean, Domingo wanted no part of Adrian Yanez. And the Miles Johns fight we went were telling Miles something similar too, like stop stalling. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> guys have to stall against Adrian Giannis to beat him. They have to fight him like a you-know-what. And one thing I know about Davy Grant is this guy ain't going to fight like a you-know-what against anybody. Davy Grant's going to go in there, kill or be killed. Davy Grant fights like a man. I love Davy Grant. He is such a badass. He'll come in there with those wide looping hooks from weird angles, knocked out Martin Day, knocked out Jonathan Martinez, beat Cheeto Vera the first time, and had an incredible war the second time davy grant's got all my respect it's just here with adrian Giannis. i think the hands are too clean i i think that um you know there's a chance that davy tries to mix it up and you know go in there try to get those takedowns but i think that adrian Giannis is good enough to stuff and if he gets taken down i think he can get back up and another thing we don't know about him he's actually a black belt in jujitsu he just prefers to box with everybody his hands are that damn good for mma standards and I think that when Davy Grant comes out here with some of these loopy shots, which tend to land on a lot of people because it's not your typical loopy shots. I mean, they're very unorthodox. They come from weird angles. And I mean, knocking out Jonathan Martinez is a big feat. But I think Adrian Yanez has way better hands than Jonathan Martinez. And I think that Adrian Yanez will be able to capitalize on these openings. And I think he's going to be the first man in MMA history to knock out Davy Grant. So give me Adrian Yanez for the dub here. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I think Giannis honestly could be the like, uh, you know, like one of the most safer picks of the night, man. I, I I like Davy Grant, very exciting, but you know, even in those fights that he knocked those dudes out, he got dropped in. Um, the 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 difference is Martinez and Day aren't really good boxers; they're kickers, you know, very good kickers. Not hands; they're not really known for their hands like that. Um, and I think that Giannis' hands is, I mean, his countering ability is definitely legit. Um, those big slugger shots in the pocket like can definitely knock anyone out uh, especially on this level 
So, yeah, I agree. I mean, Davy Grant runs in with his chin straight up in the air a lot, man. He's got some some little interesting footwork that I think throw, throws a, a lot of guys off. I can't really pick up on it that well, but he's got some interesting little some little tricks up his sleeve as well. But, man, I think the after that last one, the damage got really bad towards the end there. And, look, Davy made a lot of money on his win streak. I'm sure he got 250K bonuses there, so. I'm happy for the guy, but I think, unfortunately, he's going to hit the deck here, man. I think uh, Yanez, I mean, he can walk these guys down. The last one, at first, I was, I thought I was under the impression that Randy Costa kind of quit, but when I rewatched it, man, I mean, he was, even though, like, Costa is hard, like, the way those kicks are coming up after the punches is, like, I hope that kid gets his stuff together so he can. Um, he's got a fight coming uh, up. Yeah, against uh, Tony Kelly. But, because um, I think he actually has a lot of potential as well. He's just got to. I mean, Giannis is tough to deal with, man. So I think that uh, that was a good win for him. I mean, we saw him face adversity. His nose got busted up badly early on. Like, Randy Costa is a good striker, man. So I'm going to go with Giannis here to knock Davy Grant out inside the first round, man. I think uh, this kid, you know, is on his path to, a, you know, a potential, you know, top 20, 15 type of style matchup. Uh, Dominic's asking, does Davy have a shot at wrestling here? I mean, I think maybe I know a takedown or two, but that's it. If that, I mean, there's a big difference taking down Popov and Adrian. So. <laughs> now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tyla Santos, she's 18 1, and Joanne Calderwood. Now, Joanne Wood is 15 and 6. And currently, they got Tyla Santos minus 350. The comeback on Joanne Calderwood is plus 290. So, initially, I'm like, well, you know, Joanne Calderwood's fights tend to go to these close split decisions. So, plus 290 for a split decision, I mean, it could be worth a shot. And if you give me the Tyla Santos, I paid minus 154 against Morella Barella. I mean, then, you know, then it's like dog or pass. But the more I think about it, where they are in their current careers, Tyla Santos, I think she put that Barella fight behind her. I think she's been having her best performances to date. She's been looking better every single time we see her. So um, I think we're seeing the best Tyler Santos. I mean, she's got that Brazilian style, comes out there with a the nice Muay Thai, can mix in the takedowns as well. Uh, her defense on the mat is good, and she just has she just knows what it takes to win. And back in the day, I mean, she was out there having striking contests with Marina Rodriguez and winning. So her striking is some now of the best. Teammates. Now they're teammates, so that's good. And so I mean, listen, um, I think she's one of the the brightest people in the division if she can just keep her head on straight. When Joanne Calderwood, I mean, look, she's really talented, man. I mean, she's got good volume. She's been mixing in takedowns as well. A lot of her fights are close, and then some of her fights are kind of head scratchers. Um, but here's the thing, man. I'm not sure mentally that she's still in it like she once was, and maybe I'm wrong, but she just got married. Um, let's just say at the at the little press conference yesterday, I kind of thought that, you know, maybe uh, she ate a little bit of that wedding cake, so I'm very curious to see. if I'm very curious to see these weigh-ins tomorrow to see if she makes weight. Maybe I'm way off on that, but... Um, <laughs> that's exactly what i'm saying <laughs> but uh yeah listen if, if you give me both fighters at their best then maybe there is you know some value at that plus 290 but i kind of see them they're like like you were talking about with calvillo and uh kgb lee the, the the momentum here is just going in a different level for tyler santos and i'm not sure that joanne wants this like she once did so for that reason um give me tyler santos to win the decision yeah, I know. I see a, a lot of takes on this. I, people saying that, you know, Calderwood's a live dog, but I think she's on the downtrend, man. Like, I think um, she's, you know, we've kind of, we know what we're getting with her, man. We know that she can be broken and that's not trying to disrespect her, but we've seen it time in and time out. Um, the Lauren Murphy fight, uh, the the Jennifer Maya fight, like these girls Moreau. were just, Moreau, like these girls just came, came at her and we're, we're able to shut her down mentally. We've seen it multiple times, man. Um, even in close fights like Calvillo and the Lauren Murphy fight. And, you know, she didn't do enough to separate herself. I know she got a, a win over Jessica I, but like I said last week, I think Jessica I is also on the outs. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Tyler Santos uh, is one of the other uh, more confident, play, you know, people on this card, man. I think that since that Barella fight, has she lost a round? I mean, she's been coming out here dominating. Her physicality is too much. Not saying that she's the fastest. JoJo, yeah, she might be a little faster, sharper, technical, but can she can she handle a big, strong Brazilian coming at her and roughing her up in the clinch? She couldn't handle that against Lauren Murphy. Not saying that there were bad performances, but 
it's just we know what we're getting here, man. I think uh, Tyler Santos is going to come out here more improved again. Like I said, she's teammates with uh, with Marina Rodriguez now. I just think she moves forward. I think she bullies her in their clint in the clinch. Maybe gets a few takedowns. I think she'll definitely have to go 15 minutes. I mean, Jawan is a, a, a tough competitor, but I see Tyler Santos winning this fight just by being stronger, more physical, taking more chances. Um, and like you said, you know, the sweating stuff, look, I, I, I agree, man. I think that, uh, you know, you got the wedding bells, man. It's time to go on a honeymoon, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I think Tyler Santos is more hungrier. And hungrier to win the fight, not hungrier for the wedding cake. Yeah, for the fight. Now, featured bout in the Bantamweight division. We got a match between Ronnie Yaya. He's 27 and 10, taking on Kyung Ho, Mr. Perfect Kang, who is 17 and 8. And currently, they got Kyung Ho Kang minus 115, Ronnie Yaya minus 105. I mean, Shaq, uh, two guys, I mean, mini legends. I mean, not a lot of people know about them, but we know about them. These guys have been around for a long ass time. Ronnie Yaya, one of the best jujitsu games in the Bantamweight division, in the UFC in general. I mean, he's the kind of guy where if he pulls guard, look out. If he gets that half guard game going, uh, watch out because he's going to take your back shortly after. And as a result, people sleep on his hands. I know you remember when he dropped Johnny Bedford back in the day, the, knuckle, the bare knuckle champion. Uh, throw, yeah, uh, listen, Ronnie is no slouch. Um, the only issue with Ronnie is that he goes so damn hard for his attacks in the I early going that by that seven-minute mark, man, he, t- he tends to shoot from a mile out. I Ronnie, mean, wait. that cast tank hits empty. <laughs> and, you know, that's when people that beat him tend to take over. And Kyung Ho Kang, one thing about him, never been submitted in the UFC. This guy can scramble for days. I mean, I know you remember his fight with Michinori Tanaka back in the day. Unbelievable fight, man. I mean, this guy is not just new to the grappling. This guy's been scrambling since back in the day. And, um, I mean, the thing about him is that he can mix in takedowns too, but if he wants to, he can keep this fight standing. I think he's got an edge there against Ronnie Yaya. It's just, listen, as good as Kyung Ho Kang's grappling is, early going, just, you know, even if Kyung Ho Kang is a black belt himself, Ronnie Yaya takes your back. You got to be careful, man. So early going, Kyung Ho Kang's got to mind those P's and Q's. But if he follows the blueprint that has been laid out for years on how to beat Ronnie Yaya, extend this fight, get this guy shooting from a mile out, and from there, start to piece him up, win the decision, or get a late finish. So give me Kyung Ho, Mr. Perfect Kang, to come out here and win this fight. We haven't seen Mr. Perfect in a while, man. It seems like he likes to take these uh, hiatuses, man. I wish he'd fight more because he's very exciting. Um, like the the Teruto fight was very exciting, the Brandon Davis fight. Um, a lot of his fights been going to split decision. Um, but this guy, man, he's very solid, very well-rounded. I think this could possibly be a bad matchup for Hani. Like, in the early ons, look, he gets on top of anybody. You definitely have to be ready. But I think that long frame is going to give him problems, especially if he gets tired, man. If he gets tired against that, you know, against guys like El Fuerte Barzola and, um, you know, some Luke's like Luke Sanders, you know, Luke Sanders, all you got to do is roll for that hill hook and uh, he's tapping guaranteed. So um, I think, you know, this long body that he's got, he gets tired here. He might run into a knee. He might the type of weapons he could run into might get him finished here in comparison to these guys like El Fuerte who love to wrestle and love to prove a point with the takedowns and, you know, will engage in that type of battle. But I think this is a good fight for Mr. Perfect, man. I think he can scramble with Hani, even attack, not with submissions, but at least position, positional-wise. My bad. So I'm going to go with him for a win here. I think he's got more weapons. Hani's getting up there in age, but he's got a... a underrated ufc record man so i wouldn't be uh surprised if he got it done by submission he he's uh surprised me in the past before but i gotta go with mr perfect more weapons better cardio um less damage in his career i think uh, this is a good spot for him Cole main event of the evening in the welterweight division we got a match between michael chiesa he's 17 and 5 taking on sean brady who is 14 and 0 and currently they got sean brady minus 157 the comeback on Kiesa is plus 137. So this is a really interesting fight as well. So uh, I know that we've, you know, said some things about, you know, how Sean Brady in the top 15, who is he beat to get to the top 15? And that's true. Who has he beat to get to the top 15? However, you cannot deny the fact that this guy is extremely skilled. 
he just knows how to win. Something about that last name, Brady, right? But uh, no, nah, but listen, man, I mean, his hands are clean. He's a very physical, strong guy. He's a black belt in jujitsu. And when he gets on top of guys, they tend not to get up. And when he goes for submissions, guys either go to sleep or they tap. So he's one of those tanks at welterweight. And I think he's a force to be reckoned with. And I think that Kiesa is a good entry fight to the top 15. Listen, I respect Kiesa. I mean, he's done a lot of things in the sport. I'm just kind of curious why he's ranked number six in the world in the UFC rankings. Um, I mean, because he beat Neil Magny, because he beat Diego Sanchez and Carlos Condit. So, and I'm not disrespecting him. I know exactly what he brings to the table. He's very long for the weight class. When this guy takes your back, chances are not only is he going to choke you out, but if he doesn't do that, he's going to maintain your back for the rest of the round. It's just the thing with Kiesa is there's only a plan A. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. Um, so if he can't get his grappling attack going, he kind of hits that mental wall and he kind of checks out Kiesa stand up, even though I think his stand up is better than he believes it is. Because I remember his fight with Masvidal when he dropped Masvidal and, you know, he might hit harder than people think he does. But I don't think that he truly believes in his stand up because whenever the takedowns don't work, then Kiesa starts shooting from it's a mile the, out. It's the taking punches part. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then not to mention when Kiesa starts taking shots, he does not like getting hit at all. Not that anyone likes getting hit, but some people react a lot. Like you saw that Adrian Yanez versus Costa fight. You know, Adrian Yanez never lost his focus when he started getting hit with those shots. Whereas when Kiesa starts getting hit, then everything starts to fall apart. So uh, and Brady's got 100 percent takedown defense in the UFC so far. Will that change this weekend? That remains to be seen because this is the best grappler he's ever fought. But I think that there's a reason that his takedown defense is that good. And it's because of his technique, not just because of who he's fought. And I think that this weekend, just stylistically speaking, for someone in the top 15 for Brady to beat, this is the guy because. Brady's also a black belt in jujitsu. Brady's got nasty wrestling. Brady's hands are solid. And most importantly, Brady is mentally tough. He can overcome adversity, which is what I question about Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa, when he's the hammer, he's fantastic, but he's he's horrendous as the nail. So I think that Chiesa is going to maybe get a takedown early, but if that doesn't happen and if Kiesa starts getting some of these takedowns stuffed on him, then I think he's going to start to panic. And from there, Brady never loses his cool. And then when Brady gets on top, I think he actually comes out here and submits Michael Kiesa. So give me Sean Brady via submission. Yeah, I think this is a, another Taylor main matchup. Sean Brady's manager is very good, man. I think uh, they took a good fight here. Look, he's not going to have to worry about probably getting knocked out here. He's uh it's probably is a grapp it's gonna be a grappling based heavy fight. So I think that this is a good matchup for him because he is a very strong guy. He's on the shorter end, but this dude is very strong. And I like how you brought up that point that because I, I personally agree. I don't think Kiesa striking is honestly that bad. I think he can he his offense is good, is just the the taking punches part is a big problem for him, man. Um, he's got a lot more experience, and we, you know, Brady, we really haven't. The Court McGee fight, I guess, was his biggest adversity. I guess that was somewhat of a a, a tough fight, and he, he definitely did. We still haven't seen it on a real large scale, but I agree, man. Kiesa, when the tides are turned on him, he folds. I mean, he admitted that in the Luke fight. I, I like the guy, but he did, you know, go running out of the K. Um, but you know, I think yeah, that wasn't <laughs> the first time either. <laughs> You know, that definitely happens. So um, I, I agree, man. I think Brady can kind of outlast him. I think it'll be competitive early on. But once you start hitting those walls and you start not having your way, I start to lean with the stronger, more physical man. And I think that is Sean Brady, man. I think he's got better boxing as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with the reach and the length of those kicks. But Kies has got to stay in there. You can't, when he starts answering back, you know, he can't, you know, like you said, start shooting from a mile away and pulling guard and all this stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Brady as well to outlast them. I do think the early portion of the fight could be, you know, maybe Kiesa wins the first round, but I think Brady kind of breaks away late and kind of roughs him up down the stretch. Main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division. We got Ketlin Vieira. She's 11 and two taking on Misha Tate, who is 19 and seven. Currently they got Ketlin Vieira minus 115. The comeback on Misha Tate is minus 105. So you got the former champion, Misha Tate, who this time last year, like I said earlier, was retired. Ketlin Vieira, 
this time last year was recovering from a major surgery. Now both of them are kind of trying to get a little momentum back under their belts. I mean, Misha Tate, she finished Marion Renault, which not a lot of people do, but let me say this. Marion was also 44 years old, literally, not, not exaggerating, on her retirement fight. Seemed like she wanted to have her speech more than she wanted to actually fight. So I think this is really Misha's comeback fight in the sense that here she'll actually get tested. Here's where we're going to see if she's truly back or not. So what do you think, man? I mean, Kellen Vieira, nice judo, comes from that uh, Nova Uniao background. Um, I mean, this should be it should be a competitive fight. Yeah, you know, Kellen's kind of been on tough times right now, but I, f- I have a feeling that this fight, man, there's no pressure on her. I mean, I think the past fights, there was pressure. The Aldana fight, she's coming back. Um, she beat Sajara. Um, and then the, what was the last one again? Uh, yeah, Kunitskaya, which... Man, she was she won more minutes of that fight, but it just seemed like something was off, man. I know she had the cruise thing go wrong with the knee. And you oh, know, she, she had a rejected cadaver. Yeah, and Shit. yeah, and I think that, you know, that could play a big part in it, man. I mean, I think she said that after the Aldana fight that, you know, she she had to get in there and see if the knee was good or not. Like, you know, she you know, she unfortunately took a L, but we know her style, man. She's strong, she throws big punches um it's their big weaknesses what we call the nova i mean when she hits that wall um she you know tends to start pulling stunts like um pretty much like her teammate on the card panero from that camp um that's the weakness of that camp man but i honestly think me should take that last fight hard to judge marion you know like you said kind of really didn't want to fight that much I've, I've never been that impressed with me tate as a skill set but I think she's very tough. I think she's very durable, very hard-nosed. Um, not usually the type of person that's going to be looking for ways out. I mean, she's going to be there for five rounds. I've seen Misha take beatings and still be in there. So Misha Tate is a legend of the sport. I think Vieira is going to be winning this fight for the most part. It's just a matter of what happens when she hits that wall. Will the tides turn slightly or will they turn into the point where she starts flopping and getting fully mounted and smashed on, man? So I think Vieira is the better fighter, honestly across the board i mean um we've seen tate submitted in the past uh vieira has been knocked out but i think there's more mental issues than it is skill issues i think my bad i think she uh it takes time when you're coming off a off an injury like that man i think she's gonna get back on track here i think misha tate look i think she's incredibly stiff slow i mean she's just very tough she's got good intangibles but I th- I'm just under the impression that Vieira is going to take time, maybe a year or two to to get back into the full swing of things where you're comfortable in there. And I think she's got no pressure on her in this matchup. I think all the pressure's on Tate. She's the one that's been talking about this and that. And <laughs> she said know, she's going to dethrone Amanda you know, Nunes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I saw that. I saw that on the way over. I was like, wow. So she completely deluded. <laughs> so like, I'm going to go with Kellen Vieira. She's been very quiet, very business business-minded approach this week so i'm gonna go with Vieira to pull off a little upset well is it an upset she's the favorite but i think she's gonna just it's gonna be tough for her to go five rounds man I, towards the end there it might start getting bad but uh i think she can at least win the first three rounds and kind of cruise hopefully she can get the nod on um misha tate's turf in vegas but we'll see but i'm gonna go with Vieira yeah i mean listen i think you broke that down well because it's like Vieira does have the more skills here it's just sometimes in these fights like you watch that cat zingano fight and like she's doing amazing the first two rounds and third round she's like turning around looking into the crowd you're like you're like kellen what the hell is going on like we had a max bet on kellen Vieira in that fight and i dude i was very surprised and even in some of those earlier fights like was it against like Fashholtz where she like dominate and then did she stop fighting? Then just, it's like, <laughs> Kellen, what is going on here? So, man, I am not sure what to think. Aside from Kellen Vieira is going to win rounds in this fight. It's just Misha Tate has a knack for that comeback. And if Misha Tate takes advantage of Kellen having a mental lapse, Kellen slipping up, that's where Misha Tate can come out here and get that late finish and a comeback finish at that. But if it hits the scorecards, you know, maybe Kellen wins the first two rounds. Maybe she slips up in that third. Can she get a second win in that fourth and fifth? That's another question that remains to be seen because we haven't seen her in a in a five-round fight. So, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm leaning Kellen because of the skills, but uh, honestly, man, I'm I really, I'm really not sure. So, 
give me Ketlin, but you can obviously make a case here for, uh, you know, for the Misha Tate comeback. So, but my pick will be Ketlin as well. Now, Shaq, we, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 33, 43? My fight to watch is the co-main event, Brady versus Kiesa. I mean, it's a crossroads fight for Kiesa. And I think, uh, Brady, I mean, how he performs here is going to determine what type of matchups he gets. I mean, a lot of people saying he's a future champ. Um, if he's struggling with Kiesa, you know, he is number six. Like, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I think uh, how he performs, we'll see if he really is a future champion or not, man. Yeah, 100%. For me, my fight to watch is Adrian Yanez versus Davy Grant. I mean, that's, listen, no matter who wins this fight, this fight is going to be bonkers from start to finish. These two are going to go out there. They're going to throw some hands. It's the kind of fight you want to call your friends to watch because someone's either going to hit the deck or it's going to be fight of the night. So Yanez versus Grant is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 43? My fighter to watch is going to be... A guy from France, man, a guy by the name Farasiyam, a big showdown fighter at uh, 155. I mean, the glamour division of the UFC, the Frenchies have been pushing out a lot of prospects as of late. Um, I don't need to go down that list again, but McKinney, I mean, he's got a lot of hype. He knocked a guy out in seven seconds. His other fights, he's been knocking guys out in less than 30 seconds. If Ziam can get a win here, I think he's going to get a big fight next. Not, maybe not a... I know he's been asking for Bobby Green, and uh, him and Bobby Green got a little beef going on, but I think uh, I think he'll get a big fight if he can uh, win this fight. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if he finally gets that knockout we've been waiting for, uh, you know, from Ziam. So let's let's see. My fighter to watch is Cody Dern. Look, man, I mean, this guy took a fight with Chris Gutierrez on a week short notice, went to a draw, had the unfortunate result against Jimmy Flick where he was looking good early. Now he's coming off of ACL surgery, and I mean, it's do or die here, man. I mean, he's got to come out here and beat this guy, and it's he's got no cupcake. I mean, Iori, the Mongolian murder, is going to be in your face for 15 straight minutes, and this is going to not just be a physical test but a mental test for Cody Durden, and I'm very curious to see if he passes that test. And if he does, I think he can be a very exciting addition to the flyweight division. So for that reason, Cody Durden is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the Apex. Misha Tavers, Ketlin Vieira, Kiesa versus Brady. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. We truly appreciate everybody's support. Shout out to our sponsors, Bud Crush and Prize Picks. Make sure you all go to Prize Picks, download that app, and use the code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match. We'll be back for the next card. Thank you all so much. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Everybody do us a favor and hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you all so much. And until the next time, you got something to say? Oh, my bad. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.